2: Oh, oh, this is it. Yeah, this oh is God, it. Oh God, I'm changing my shoes because I've got to get a train. And you're well, just sitting there in four-inch sort of well, high heels like you're well, going off to work in the Pussy Cat Club tonight. How, did you, <laughs> how did you know? How <laughs> <Sorry, Where> did you? <laughs> where did that come I, from? I don't know, Anna. Sorry, <laughs> it's been a long day.
3: <laughs> so I've got my little platforms on oh, that's the because best. actually, um, <gasps> you've
2: trodden in, I've trodden in something. Look, you've got a
3: big red dollop on the end.
2: What look, do you think that is? Look. Yeah. It looks like raspberry jam. Oh, no, I've
3: trodden in a kind of raisin, some kind of a dried fruit. don't like a dried fruit. Uh, anyway, i find my little platforms are absolutely fine. I wouldn't okay. be able to wear this height as a heel, Annika. But you probably don't need to think about elevating no. yourself. You're quite tall, lady. About two feet taller than you. You are taller than me. Much, much taller. Uh, Now, we've had lots of lovely emails this week. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Sandra is currently 33 degrees in southwest France. Well, Sandra, we're about 31 degrees in London town today. Uh, Loving the mix of Claire and Annika this week, I was shocked by Annika's story of her parents' disappearance when she was a child. Is this something she's mentioned in her previous interviews?
2: No, but actually, funny enough, I'm just um, gathering uh, stuff for a memoir And um, taking quite a deep dive, and boy, do you discover things that you've buried.
3: Yeah. all I can say. Okay. Well, we will look forward to reading about that. Do you like writing? I love writing.
2: I wrote. I went away for three weeks and wrote seventy thousand words straight off. Good lord. Yeah. That's.
3: And I had such a
2: lovely routine. I got up in the morning. I painted two paintings each day. One in the morning before breakfast was brought to my little balcony. It was a very cheap and cheerful little taverna in Greece. And um, they bought my breakfast, by which time I'd done my first painting. And I wrote all day in between swimming uh, to get some energy. And then I painted before I went to bed. I was on my own. I'm just very happy.
3: Do you like your own company?
2: Uh, When I'm working, I find it very exciting. Because you know, because then you can you can be swimming and you can think, oh, that's that's how I link that and that, and you just you can barely get dry. You haven't got time to wait for your friend and say, how was your breaststroke today? Because you're running back to your room yes. to start typing again. It's kind of weird when yeah.
3: when the creative juices. Oh, no, I completely understand okay. that, and because sometimes you know, with shoals of tiny fish when they dart, yeah, the whole shoal goes off in a different direction. <laughs> I always think that writings like that you get a little thought and if you yeah. don't pin it down you've got the to, whole you've, shoal's gone you've
2: got to run and pin it down yeah yeah.
3: Uh, anyway, sorry Sandra uh, sorry Sandra but yes, we only got us. we only got first paragraph into your lovely email love Claire's stories of her musical choices the greatest showman soundtrack is amazing despite Mark Kermode's claim that there wasn't a memorable track on it unfortunately listening to the story of P.T. Barnum has totally put me off the movie as he was nothing like the film made out uh, yeah for all virgin Rhythm fans, the latest series starts today and thanks for the Fisk recommendation. We had so many Fisk recommendations, so I'm going to persevere with that one and thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, we've talked about so many things on the programme this week, Annika, and thank you for bringing your personal choices to the programme, actually, because that's been really lovely. Uh, we did talk about what happens to our bodies when we die today and for people who missed this afternoon's show, How could that be? 3 to 5, Times Radio. Just get the app. It's all free. Um, You have got quite a story, actually, about what you want to happen to your ashes when you die. Could you just retell it here?
2: Oh, yes. Well, I thought that instead of just leaving it for my kids to work out what to do, because I've been very remiss with my parents' ashes, you know, I sort of know what I ultimately want to do with them, but I haven't got round to it yet. So being a very organised person, I think I practically invented the Saskia wall planner. I have decided to put my ashes um, into three paint, pot, three paint pots with mum daubed on the front, um, one for each son. I've got three sons. It'll be blue paint because they know I love blue. And then I'm going to ask Maggie Hambling, my mentor and probably our greatest living artist, if she will use the paint, which will be kind of lumpy, but very good for one of her seascapes. If she could do me three little seascapes. She's up for this. The trouble is she's a bit older than me. So if she goes f- first, I've asked someone else in my painting group with Maggie called Jelly Green, who's an amazing artist. She actually's just done Ed Sheeran's album cover and she's really up for it. So this idea has taken off. And, and so my kids will be presented with an artwork each, uh, which hopefully is better than just them having me in a box yeah. under the I think stairs. that's such
3: a lovely idea. And
2: um Except no... they might sell the painting <laughs> knowing them. I mean <laughs> I... I'm a bit worried, especially when we went to one of Jelly's exhibitions and their Sheeran was actually there and you know there were red dots all over her paintings. I literally saw my son's machinations of his brains thinking, these jelly green Paintings actually go for quite a lot. I saw it's transparent. It was almost like ticker tape across his eyes. <laughs> would you
3: would you be upset if they if they did sell you on? I mean, well, be quite I've a, got lovely, a lot of trouble. It would be quite a lovely parting gift, though, wouldn't it? That, you know, if they could make hundreds of thousands. I mean, Maggie Hamlin's paintings. I know, if if if, if if, if I account. manage to go before
2: Maggie and she does the painting, they'll be worth tens and tens of thousands yes so there's no way they'll keep that lovingly
3: yeah well i think that's just such it's a lovely idea now. no know.
2: <laughs> don't, don't, no, it's, it's a lovely idea but i just didn't want to be left in the garage
3: no in a box no and and the you know that worries me the the jar on the mantelpiece as well is just yeah that's that's not for me No, I agree with you. Uh, This one comes from Caroline. Actually, do you want to do this one? Because we were talking about dementia on Monday's programme, Alzheimer's in particular. Thank
2: you for talking. This yes from Caroline. Thank you for talking about dementia. Touches so many people's lives. In my life, I've looked after my mum and more recently a neighbour. The thing I found hardest, aside watching these beautiful ladies battling with this horrible disease, was the lack of support for the friends and family who are struggling to understand what their loved one needs. I feel I can offer a lot of help and contacted our local dementia charity offered and offered to volunteer. Um, I was asked for my postcode and told in an offhand way no volunteers were needed in my area. Ah oh. that's very disappointing, Caroline. She says uh, no details were log for future vacancies. And that was that. And she says, I've got a lot to give. But do you know what I do, Caroline? I go to my local community association. I've done this for years Um, and I become a befriender and they pair you up with an elderly person. And that just might be a phone call once a week or it might be a visit. Um, I, I looked after a lovely old lady called Stefania for, for a long time. She's now passed away. And uh, we st- I I'd actually take her for a drive around Richmond Park because I enjoyed her company so much. But you don't have to do more than a phone call. And it's just that would be a good way of connecting. I think yeah. befriending is such so a lovely concern, thing to do. do exactly. Exactly, that, don't yes, they? exactly. Yes. Yes. You can contact your local community association, Age UK, or any charity. They'll be so thrilled, Caroline, if you help. You'll have to have police checks and things, but that's it.
3: Now, this one comes from uh, Sean, who deliciously describes himself as a heterosexual male in Devon. Uh, good. <laughs> I don't know why I've gone for the emphasis on hetra het- <laughs> The het. Heterosexual. <laughs> Heter, heterosexual 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 oh, no don't start. Heterosexual. Because... No, I don't know. So Claire Balding really picked me up on how I say theatre. How do you say it? Theatre. Theatre. You theater. go theatre. <laughs> theatre. The flutter. It's very <laughs> It's not very Oscar Wilde. Right, uh, Sean, heterosexual male, Devon. Uh, Good to hear Annika back on the radio. She was part of my 15 minutes of fame. Well, when I say 15 minutes, I mean 30 seconds. I was the security guard at Wimbledon (gasps) when she turned to scrounge some strawberries for an event in June 1989 whilst filming one of the many challenge Annikas. She must remember that auspicious event, surely. Turned up to scramble. What's
2: his name? What's his name for you? Sean. Sean, I've just thought about you non-stop ever since. <laughs> I literally go to bed thinking of Sean. I wake up thinking of Sean. <laughs> Those strawberries, what might have been. Hi, Sean.
3: Yeah. Uh, So this one comes from one of our correspondents who has asked to remain anonymous, and that is always fine by us. You were talking about the topic of parental alienation on Monday. Uh, Is there any chance you could get Dr Charlotte Proudman in to talk about it? She's a barrister and does so much work on exposing what goes on in family courts. Uh, Do you know what? We definitely do want to talk more about what goes on in family courts, actually. Uh, It's quite a lifting of the lid, I think, uh, that particular area of the law there are some changes going through at the moment that definitely deserve our attention. It was so, so
2: shocking that whole interview, wasn't it, and all the research around it. it was yes. quite, quite really shocking. By that.
3: So our correspondent goes on to say this. Uh, parental alienation isn't new. My father used it in the 90s when he took my mother to court almost every year in order to get more access to me. I was therefore split between two cities quite far away from the age of three when I didn't really know him and had never lived with him. He also wouldn't let me phone home more than once a week because that was his allocation on the other side. He was abusive and he used to tell me that if anyone found out what was happening or I didn't go to stay, he could get my mum sent to prison for flouting the court order and I'd have to live with him full time. Unfortunately, he was probably right. He always told the courts that she had poisoned my mind against him and that's what prevented me seeking help and obviously I feel as much abused by the system as by him. And you go on to say, I feel quite silly disclosing this to a radio show, but honestly, trust you two to dig out important issues and no one talks about this particular one. And so I would just like to say that that we really admire your courage in sending that email because I don't think it's particularly easy to write to a radio programme Know that it's going to be read out and all of that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, we are really humbled actually uh, by your honesty and we will carry on talking about the subject of parental alienation. And it's just so sad. It's such an obvious thing to say, but you cannot relive your childhood. You can't do it again in the way that you would like to or your mum would have liked to. So I'm just so sorry that that happened to you. Uh, but you've been incredibly bold as well because I know that you've also spoken to the Truth Project when that was investigating. Inst- Institutional abuse uh, in the hope that it would add something to the debate about family courts uh, so thank you for that and we'll keep that on file and we will definitely try and talk some more about it now I'm gonna make an enormous gear change but people are very used to the fact that we do that on the program so I hope you'll all take the turn with us uh, we had a guest on the program today our big interview was with Stacey Solomon Uh, You'd never watched the program that we were talking about, which is uh, "Sort Your Life Out," uh, which is just an incredibly well-constructed piece of TV. Actually, if you think you've seen every single home makeover show that you would ever want to see, and then some that you didn't really want to, but there wasn't anything else on, I would give this a try because they do this fantastic thing, Annika, where they go to somebody's house which has got completely out of control. You know, there are just two thousand unpaired up pairs of socks spread all over the place. You open a cupboard and everything falls out, uh, you know, really, really bad situations. They take every single item out of someone's house and then they lay it all out I'm in a warehouse. I'm confused by that. Doesn't Nick Knowles do that on Channel 5, for something or other? Well,
2: if I completely you, had a hallucination. If he does something like that, we ignore it. And he's it. copied her. And we say, because we, say we watch Stacey. Because she, she's been Stacey. doing it for ages. And... Um, um, you know, I haven't watched the whole thing, but I'm very familiar with it because I have caught it. And I love Stacy. And frankly, if she's telling me to do something, you know, by laying something out in a shrine in the garden of all the stuff I've been desperate to get rid of, I'm going to have a go, Stacy. Thank you.
3: But it really makes you think about just the, the detritus of family life that you become ridiculously sentimentally attached to. And actually, I would challenge... And sorry, that's no kind of... I'm not trying to make a huge joke at your expense at all, Annika, but I would challenge anybody to have more than 20 items in their house of real emotional relevance mm. to them. Mm. Well, I always
2: said it was just my photo albums I'd rush to, to save because we it, back in the day, you didn't have a camera phone. And so the old school way of looking at your photos of your kids is in a rather lovely photo album. That would upset me. The rest could go.
3: Yeah, I think that there's an enormous opportunity for somebody to set up a company that downloads all of your photos, does the kind of Stacey Solomon, but just with photos from the cloud.
2: Mm. I tried to get my sons to do it. I said, could you uh, digitise each album? Honestly, what's the point of having children, Fee? I don't know. They looked at me and passed it round the sons on the
3: WhatsApp group. and I'm back to where I've started. So, yeah. well, I mean, But I, I still quite enjoy the book. Your kids are just waiting for you to pop it and become a very expensive painter. Yeah, they couldn't care less, could <laughs> I think you've given in too early <laughs> to them. Uh, so, look, let's hear the interview. Uh, Stacey uh, wasn't originally known as a TV presenter. She made her name on The X Factor uh, when she was just 18. Uh, the year before she had had a baby, the first of her five children, so she had quite a lot on her plate. But she does have something about her, and it's not just her voice. It really is her personality. Uh, and she really uses it to very good effect, actually, in this TV. TV programme. So the idea is Stacey and her team rock up, they take the entire contents of the house away, uh, they spread it all out in a warehouse, the family chooses which bits to keep and then delicious storage solutions are put back in at home. And the result is, in my opinion, one of the most satisfying TV programmes you can watch. I asked her if it was as satisfying to make.
1: I adore making it. First of all, thanks for saying that. That's such a compliment because I Honestly, I don't just love the show and what we come out with at the end of it. I, I'm, I'm. It's a real passion project of mine. I so believe in everything that the show talks about, and yeah, it is just a satisfying doing it for for me anyway because I enjoy doing that. Stuff. <laughs> so you know, but the families that let us into their homes, I think, are just really the, the star of the show. Um, it's a lot, really, when you're in a situation where you feel like. It's you know the, the world is overtaking you, and you can't come back from it. To then let a whole TV crew into your life, um, so I'm always so grateful for all of our our families that let us come into their ho- homes, and yeah, being able to really intervene when somebody needs it most, and then give them back their life, basically, is a, what a privilege. I mean, like such a privilege for us.
3: You're right to mention uh, the kind of generous spirits of the families and actually that's one of the things that makes it comfortable to watch because as a viewer it could be uncomfortable if you were made to feel that you were in any way being asked to kind of laugh at people's you know bad home situations or you know I mean some of the rooms that you show are so beyond the imagination, aren't they, in terms of how much stuff is accumulated and dirt and filth and whatever. So it's quite a fine line, isn't it? Keeping the respect for those families.
1: It really is. And I remember when we were first in discussions about Thought Your Life Out and the one thing the only thing actually that was my stipulation to do in the show was to make sure that everyone on the show feels comfortable and and doesn't feel like, you know, that that line isn't being crossed and I think that ultimately although we show some cases and some families who are in like the very extreme part of their lives where they're needing a helping hand what is happening with these families happens to most people on a day-to-day basis you know sometimes your house and your home and running home can get seriously overwhelming and most people both of the the, like everybody in the house is working and lots of people have children to then contend with and lots of people have like you know a million other things before the house gets to come into it so it's uh, in my like I always think people in glass houses you know at the end of the day you can look on and go oh how do you let it get like that but I think it's easy to get like that and I think myself included I could easily become you know, in a situation where I'm like, God, where do I start? And it's all building up and building up. So I have a huge empathy for everyone on the show, and I don't think that it's as extreme as it looks. I think it's some, a normal, like, not normal. I, I hate the word normal. What does that even mean? But I think it's a situation that lots of us find ourselves in, but we're able to reset every now and again. And some people aren't able to do that and don't have the help and don't have the free time or headspace and or might have been through different traumas that contribute to what what is happening in their home. And I think it's understanding that and de deconstructing everything that's going on and not just treating it as if it's just one isolated incident. Yeah, and
3: because there are always reasons as well, aren't there? As well as, as you so rightly point out, just that kind of uh, constant wave that happens, especially in a family house. You, I think, are talking to me from your family home today. Yes, I want to see it? Yeah. Nice, semester. can you? Oh, brilliant! I mean. Brilliant, right? <laughs> okay, I will do a little running commentary. Yep, there's quite a lot of stuff on the floor there, Stacey. Uh, You've got quite thing. a lot of toys. Yep,
1: milk bottle. Nice. <laughs> Yep,
3: lovely. And it's cool. probably, you know what? If you put your hand down the back of your sofa, what oh, might you find? To.
1: Hold on, let me tell you. Let's have a look. <laughs> oh, right now we've got um Bell's favourite zebra. Glad lovely. I found that. Yeah. <laughs> an old bottle.
3: <laughs> That's an old milk bottle, because you've <laughs> got a yeah. tiny one, haven't you?
1: At the moment, there's a couple of uh, batteries down there that look like they've come out the remote. So standard. You know, yeah, stand it does not right. care how clean you think you are and how organised and how tidy. If your house doesn't look like this on a day-to-day basis, do you even have children?
3: <laughs> well, thank you for being so honest about that. And I am happy to report for our listeners that, yeah, our house is slightly untidy. And there are some <laughs> lovely moments, Stacey, where you give quite a lot of yourself away, actually, on the programme. And I most recently watched the first episode of Series 2 with lovely Shah. Uh, who's got two kids and she's married to Dan, the police officer. She had her first baby, didn't she, at the same age as you when she was 18. She found herself living in a hostel on her own before she got back together uh, with the father of uh, her baby. And I thought it triggered something in you actually meeting her. Would that be right?
1: Yeah, I think whenever I meet anybody who had a child really young, I can instantly relate to what I would say, but for this is my personal experience, as that that similar trauma, because I do think it was a trauma. I was 17 years old, and, you know, pushing a baby out of your vagina, I didn't even want to say the word vagina at that age. Like, the whole thing felt traumatic to me, and even the experience felt traumatic, and then the feelings that came afterwards that I, that were not what were expected um, when you become a mum... It's I I I meet people in a similar situation who had babies at that age who felt exactly the same after, and I instantly relate to that. At the time in my life when I had Zachary, I've, and I've always said this, my family are my biggest privilege, and my mum was really there for me. My mum recognised that the signs of postnatal depression in me, and she really talked about it with me and helped me through it, and helped me, you know, get back to a place that the place that I needed to be to take care of myself and my child and I, I think if you don't have that and you're kind you, you lose yourself you totally lose yourself and you forget how to who, who you are and how to be you anymore and I meet a lot of people like that I think um, who have had but it doesn't necessarily mean you've not necessarily who have had children young but it tends to be that a lot of people who had children young have a similar experience um, but it ha- can happen at any age obviously um, and when when I met Sharon Dad, and she still felt in that um, in that place where she didn't really know who she was, she'd forgotten how to really go for stuff, and she, her her anxiety had heightened, and she, she gave up on herself basically, and didn't believe in herself. And I, I do relate to that a lot. And unless and also.
3: You did quite rightly say that when when you were so young, you have the ultimate responsibility of a baby. And, you know, hopefully when the right things kick in, uh, and as you say, anybody can have a very tough time with postnatal depression. When you're that young, you don't have, and you didn't have the certainty of qualifications behind you. You weren't on a path to anything. Absolutely everything lay ahead of you. So I wonder what you think, that young Stacy would think of this Stacy now?
1: I think she'd probably laugh.
3: <laughs> would she?
1: Yeah, because I often laugh, but in a in a kind of what the hell? Do you know what I mean? Like, what have you done? How did this happen? And even, you know, my family will be the same and be like, Stacy, how is this? Because it's not just how has this happened to me, it's how has this happened to us as a family, you know? Some of the opportunities that I've been able to have, some of the in, yeah, you know, I've been able to interview people and meet people that I never thought I'd meet, um, and and I think we all are a bit, kind of just, we we just can't believe it, and I think my younger self would look probably say to me, oh thank God for that because it's hard, isn't it. <laughs>
0: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from MoonPig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves
3: Stacey Solomon is our guest this afternoon and here on the podcast. Uh, she did get her big break singing on uh, The X Factor. And I asked her if, with the benefit of hindsight, that was actually a kind experience.
1: Yeah. And you know what? It, I don't I don't know where I would be without The X Factor at all. When I went on to, to The X Factor, I... I remember saying to my mum and this this I still feel the same today if this is it I am so happy because what an experience you know I got to sing with people that I grew up just idolizing like Mariah Carey Whitney Houston George Michael and that was enough for me I couldn't that that was an absolute dream come true and everyone on the show was so supportive and so kind I felt like I just was I had the time of my life basically um and I don't know what I' would do with that with what I'd be doing without the show. Um, And, yeah, I remember thinking, God, if this is it, then what an amazing experience. How lucky am I to be doing any of these things that I never imagined doing? And especially, I I think 15 years ago when I had Zachary, the world was a different place. And now, you know, you can have a... If you do do find yourself um, pregnant at a young age, there are different support systems out there. There's support networks. There is less of a stigma, I believe, on it. When I had Zachary, people literally would out loud cut at me in the street. And when I was pregnant, would make weird remarks and be, frankly, really quite rude to me. Or they'd just say, oh, what a shame, you know. Um, Oh, that's such a shame. Are you okay? What are you going to do? And it was just really, I I felt that my life was over the way that the sort of public perception was at that Mm. point, having a child at that age. So... Even the experience of X-Factor was just an absolute dream come true and would have been totally enough, even if that was just it and nothing ever came from it. And I suppose in asking you
3: whether it was a kind experience, it would also be good to know what you think of uh, that type of TV programme in general, because I think we've learnt quite a lot recently about some unkind experiences that other contestants have had not necessarily on X Factor but there can be an exploitation really can't there of of people who are vulnerable and are reaching out to be famous and successful Uh, do you worry about that yourself would
1: you let your kids go on a show like that now because I never personally saw or experienced any behavior like that I don't, in my head, you know, if my children ever said to me, I want to go for an audition and it's a televised audition and it's a, you know, competition where I could, my opportunities could open up, I don't think I could ever say no to that, um, especially because I did it and it changed my entire life and it was a positive experience. But I would absolutely have to have the conversations with them about that underlying, you know, what, what could happen behind the scenes and what and I'd have to have those open conversations about these are the examples where this has happened and that has happened are you sure you want to put yourself into that environment and I think that comes with any workplace environment I think we've seen abuse of power across so many situations in the workplace and perhaps maybe I feel that actually more than ever there's that it's really important that I teach them language and how people can manipulate you without you realizing you're being manipulated and how to cope with that and deal with that in any workplace scenario or competition scenario or television whether it be in telly or whether it be in if they want to go and work in the post office I want to make sure they're equipped to know how that abuse looks and what that and what that feels like and how they can support themselves and speak to people and how they don't have to up with that and it's wrong do you know what I mean I feel like that could happen in any working environment so I guess I want them to be equipped for that I know that you've also spoken
3: about how people can underestimate you because you are extremely beautiful you are very full of beans Uh, you speak in your natural accent Stacey don't you you've not been (laughs) through the elocution process Uh, so how does that actually present itself to you what kind of things Have you been on the receiving end of when people have thought, "Oh, I don't think she's that bright." I suppose.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a double-edged sword because yeah, I'm I'm quite an upbeat person, and I have got my accent is my accent. I'm from Dagenham, and I'm very proud of it. Um, So I guess initially, just people look at me and think, "Oh, she's so dumb and fit," and you know, they'll sort of laugh me out the room um, a lot of the time. And then I guess that presents itself in uh, people maybe being really patronising to me without realising or uh, or just outright saying, God, you're so thick. <laughs> and has anybody actually ever said that to you? Yeah, all the time. I mean, people, I see comments about, you know, if someone puts a video out about me and it will be like, oh, God, another thick person person's having an opinion or this that and the other you know and that's fine um I actually it used to really get to me because I felt like it was a real um limitation on anything that I could achieve I felt like it was a barrier that I couldn't push through because of where I come from um and as I've grown through my career and grown as a person I realized it's actually not a barrier and in fact sometimes it comes in really handy because I can walk into a room and people have got no expectation of me whatsoever <laughs> and you can go boom and I can just like really go for it and, and and if anything it enhances my performance because they thought I was going to be terrible and dumb and stupid to begin
3: with. Now you also seem to always be really really full of energy Stacey and I have followed you a bit on your Instagram over the summer. You've had to, you've had a wonderful time haven't you with your kids and yeah. stuff. It's all looked absolutely well, lovely but let's face it you're a mum of four uh, most, most parents get to this week in September they feel a bit depleted don't they? It's been a very long summer. Uh, schools have only just started to go back. Uh, how are you feeling on that sliding scale of parenthood today? I'm
1: totally honest with you. Yes, please. Well, firstly, I'm a mum of five. I'm and... so sorry. No, I'm no. so sorry.
3: I've left no, off a child. About.
1: I'm, I'm a mum of five, but. Uh, this this summer is the first summer I've done had to film record two shows at once. So I've been a bit of a part-time parent this summer and Joe's had to take the summer off. So if you were to ask that question to Joe, he's kicking him out the door tomorrow. He's like, Come on back to school, everyone, and can't wait. Whereas I I only took a ten-day break in the summer. So I got like the, the lovely ten-day Rose tinted haze of my children, where I, I got to be really close to them, and I've missed them so much all summer because I've been away for work, up and down the country. And it's actually Joe who's had to take on the summer parenting role, and he's yeah, he's, he's his beautiful ginger hair is slowly but surely turning grey. It's a <laughs> and bit it's frazzled.
3: Okay. So what does he get to do? on the first day that he's got some free time when the kids, but you still got a baby, haven't you? So, yeah, so it's not we, everybody we, back in school. We just,
1: we're at the, you know, when people say, I'm in my, I don't know, fishing era or whatever. We are in our parenthood era. There is no getting away from it. because We've got teenagers and then we've got a six month old baby. So there's no, I guess we, when they all go to school cause Rose, our one year old starts nursery next in, in October. So once they're all in sort of that full-time routine then I think, well, Joe. what do you want to do? You want to go fishing more, didn't you? Oh, really? I mean, when they're right. all at school. He really wants to go fishing. And I will mean, to fish, go gym and make pot. Oh, fishing, go, go back to the gym and he loves pottery. <laughs> Does he? Has he got his own wheel? <laughs> he wants to get one, don't you? But I don't want him to get one. I'm trying to sort our life out and he's trying to add hobbies to it and I can't cope.
3: <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I can see very a very, cool.
1: hello, very nice, hello, I'm very good on the pottery wheel. I do. Are
3: you? I think if you've done a whole summer of almost solo parenting, I think you deserve a pottery wheel.
1: You are not on my side. He's already got a, he's already got a carriage full of fishing stuff. Listen, she's already stole my gym. I had a lovely gym now, she's turned into a little girly gym with white <laughs> white boxing bags and it was
2: nice black and white now, it's all pink and yeah, so anyway.
1: You might get a pori wheel. You yeah, might. No,
3: okay. so, thank you very much. Very uh, nice to meet you.
2: I love, I love your wife,
1: by the taking way. her, back, I love he's her. Like, oh, my God, there's a woman sticking up for me in my own house.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Stacey Solomon. So I suppose, can I ask you a very obvious question? Because you've been involved in the television arena for quite some yeah. time. Have there ever been times when you felt a bit exploited by it? No, not exploited, actually. I don't
2: think so um but i was canny in a way because i'd started my tv career i was very young working in hong kong as a journalist and a newsreader over there and by the time i got sort of treasure hunt and then i decided to devise my own format for challenge so that you know i could produce it and i chose a female team and so therefore I don't feel I never felt exploited. I felt I was taking control. But a lot of people don't have that option. Mm.
3: But that's interesting. You were was there any pushback against choosing an all-female team? No, it was,
2: it was totally logical. Actually, they were all the people that we felt were, were best for the job. I mean, apart from the, you know, some of the the crew, because in those days, uh, you didn't have female cameramen and female Not camera women camera in was the same that way. Far too heavy, but yeah. now, I mean, recently did the series of Challenge, uh, we had female sound recordists. You know, it was every, you know, it was brilliant, and without fail, everyone came up and said, "We went into the industry because of Challenge. We saw that and thought that looks fun. We want to be on a crew like that." So, so that was a rather lovely. lovely sort of circle. Yep, yeah.
3: yeah. Um, it's been such a delight to spend a bit of time with you, Adika. <laughs> I've Fee. really enjoyed I it I know, this it's week.
2: been a joy. I oh, hope you'll come back. I'd love
3: to. Yep. And also, do you know what? One of the things... Uh, that I hope you don't mind me passing on oh, to God, our listeners. I am very
2: nervous when Fee says this. She, she does this a lot. She preempts everything with, I haven't mentioned this to you already. Or,
3: <laughs> <laughs> but it's <laughs>
2: coming. I just think oh God, where's this one going to go?
3: Well, because you're a woman from the television and uh, I would imagine that you are completely comfortable with seeing your visual image, but actually in the newfangled world of radio, we have pictures too. Uh, there are pictures of, you know, we see ourselves being filmed all the time in the studio and I. It was so lovely that you said, I don't really want to see myself all the time. So we switched all the TV monitors off. Monitors yeah. off. Who yeah. I mean, this is radio. It is and, radio. and I
2: feel of seeing a picture of myself talking, revolting to start with. But B, the intimacy is talking into the microphone, isn't it? And, and picturing your, your listener not seeing a picture of yourself. That's just scary well it made me feel better
3: did it? it did okay. yes so thank you very much indeed Annika Rice I hope you'll come back thank you Fee I've
2: loved this week and you have very fine listeners can I
3: yeah, just say yeah they're a very very, very nice bunch f- very solid crew they are uh, Jane Garvey is back on Monday uh, she's had some ups and downs on her holiday uh, so we'll look forward oh. to debriefing that oh, yes I'll be tuning in on Monday yeah I'll turn up on Monday as well <laughs> uh, have a lovely weekend everybody goodbye bye We're bringing the shutters down on another episode of the internationally acclaimed podcast Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times Radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Henry Tribe. But don't forget that you can get another two hours of us every Monday to Thursday afternoon here on Times Radio. We start at 3pm and you can listen for free on your smart speaker. Just shout, play Times Radio at it. Uh, You can also get us on DAB Radio in the car or on the Times Radio app whilst you're out and about being extremely busy. And you can follow all our tosh behind the mic and elsewhere on our Instagram account. Just go onto Insta and search for Jane and Fee and give us a follow. So in other words, we're everywhere, aren't we, Jane? Pretty much. Everywhere. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you can join us again on Offair very soon.
0: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card.